All right, gentlemen. Welcome back. How's it going, guys? How's your week? It's good. Good. Um, so I got a confession to make. When I am on my way here to do this every day, I've got like a five-minute drive, so I have to choose the music I listen to, and it's got to be freaking powerful. It can't be like Bohemian Rhapsody with a slow roll. It can't be Stairway to Heaven. I don't have 11 minutes to listen to a song, Yeah. but I often am I'm listening to music on the way in, and I'm singing at the top of my, my lungs trying to get my voice ready. But it got me thinking as I got out of the car, because I always turn it down as I as I pull into the suburban neighborhood, right? As I'm Thank hit, you. You're welcome. <laughs> as, as I pull into your cul-de-sac, Dan, I'm like, um, I was thinking, what music was your seminal music in your formidable years? When you were a teenager and you were finally digging deep into shit that was not your parents' music. And you were really starting to get your own tastes and it's colored your entire point. I'm not talking freaking Chumbawamba. We all heard that, but that's not our, like, seminal music, As right? someone named Dan, fuck that song and everything about it. Oh, Danny I, boy. I fucking hate it. Yeah, yeah, but 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 what's, what music were you listening to? What, oh, what uh, genre or artist or, like, give me anything here. Uh, Let people know who we are based I, on our musical preference. I've always been a huge metal fan, um, so, like, and, and grunge. I fucking loved grunge, so, like... Uh, my formative years were Soundgarden. And uh, you were late to grunge too. Right? I was, yeah. Grunge is already over when you uh, got that. <laughs> but I, 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 I was uh, Soundgarden. I was Nirvana. I was uh, Tea Party. But at the same time, I was um, also really big into uh, Tool, Marilyn Manson, those guys growing up. Which, as as the as the Christian guy on the podcast, it's it's a bit weird. But I I, I did thoroughly enjoy Marilyn it. Marilyn Manson, I, particularly. I was yeah. I, the the main reason was um and like uh. Uh, Rage Against the Machine and, and Red Hot There Red are a surprising amount of Christian metalheads. There, yes, there are. There very much are. And there's some a surprising amount of good Christian metal bands as well. But on the other hand, uh, <laughs> no, I just looked at for each fuck's like, sakes, guys, there, there really truly honestly are. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm also a bass player. Like, I am a musician. So, like, I would. Yeah, you lean into that heavy sound. I right? lean into that heavy sound. Double bass. Right? So, like, I would bring my uh, bass amp to school. We'd hook up a computer to it or a phone, and we would sit in the one uh, corner of our where we would hang out. Uh, and I would blare Marilyn Manson at you know two o'clock in the morning while people are taking their biology tests. It was great. At two o'clock in the morning. Sorry, two o'clock in the afternoon. I there we go. Stupid thing. All right, Terry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I won't say the same as Dan, but I went. I did definitely go through. Th- Various branches of metal and rock music. It did grunge a little bit. Went through punk for a long time. I never um, got a punk face. I never had a well, punk face. Well, typically I find that people will start with punk because it's simple, simpler, technically, music-wise, and then sort of branch up into metal. But yeah. I'm a, uh, I am was a massive Deftones fan. Still am. Fair enough, yeah. Actually, when we're thinking about it, I do have the word Misfits tattooed into my body. You really do. That yes. I forget about because it's on a point in my arm that I can't see. And so I, I completely forget that that tattoo is there until somebody says that word to me. And I go, that was a strange word to say. I don't know why he said that. Uh, but yeah, so um, went through, I went through a metal phase. I also really love... How many skulls do you have tattooed to you? Six. Six? six. Yeah. yeah. He's got six. the big purple one and then the five. Yeah. <laughs> I got a big purple one. Yeah. Uh, Again, do see a doctor. Do you know the goiter doesn't count. Do you know what I love and I still love to this day is 90s hip hop. I think it is the best hip hop. I agree with you 100%, not, but, I don't, but I think it's only because it was seminal for me. Maybe, right. but no, I think I like Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Biggie, like it's it's the, it's just kind of, honestly, it's shit these days. I don't like it. It's very rare that I like I, I'll, I'll go a little bit. I'll go a little bit deeper with you. I mean, I like the LL Cool J and the and the Busta Rhymes as well. Yeah, with, I'll go a little no, bit deeper with you. Name me your sex name, Dan, please. <laughs> so, 
Um, for me, I was '90s alternative, but I, I remember when Kurt Cobain died. I remember when so I. when Tupac. Yeah, but I, I was, was nine. I was listening to that music. I just barely listened to that music, and that's when but, you didn't find out straight away. Yeah, and, and, and you found out. I remember being at school and like the, the older kids are crying, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Mm-hmm. And then and then I found out about it. And I'm like, "Wow, shit that." That sucks. I'd better go listen to the other albums and really learn what this is. Yeah. I knew I knew Smells Like Teen Spirit, and I knew I mean my my favorite uh, my favorite Nirvana song is uh, "Man Who Sold the World," mm. which is not even Nirvana, but they, it was just a cover. Yeah, right. But I don't know. I I grew up on on Green Day and Chili Peppers. And, oh man, Red right, Chili Peppers. It, it was a good decade for music, it's man. Still so good as well. Just a good band. People actually don't talk about. Enough for my liking around about that era was placebo. Placebo, really placebo was underrated, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, on the on the Cruel Intentions soundtrack, strangely enough. Oh shit! Also, good movie. Yeah, right. So also good. Sarah Michelle Gellar, what's she doing now? Thank God for you, Sarah Michelle. Being married Gellar. to Freddie Prince Jr. Are they still married? Oh yeah. Oh, good for them. Oh yeah. well. Oh, hey, well. Anyway, um, let's uh let's move on to the topic of the day. I was just curious about what you guys did for for like music and where you came from. The other thing, I mean, that Dan and I didn't talk about. Is we're both big on classic rock. Yes, that was a huge part of my my even my teenage years was Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. I grew up on the Beatles. Okay, like, I have a que- I have a question. This yeah. is going to be a definitive question for everyone in this podcast: Beatles or Stones? Stones. Beatles. Stones. Why Beatles? I don't get it. I never. I, I no. I I, I never, get it. I don't. I get why people like them. They're they are the they have the most number Do one you know songs why? as anyone no, in history. No, no, that's not it for me. But not, like, not even remotely. Do you know why? I don't believe them. When they're saying whatever bullshit they're saying about, I don't believe it. Fair I enough. just feel yeah, like no, I'm, I'm with you. I feel like they're saying. For I feel me, like they're, they're, I'm a I feel huge, like the Beatles were the first hipsters. I know what I I will I will support you in that. I am a massive blues fan. Usually, was Jerry uh, Jerry Lee Lewis? Oh fuck! Actually, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good point. <laughs> point oh Adam. man, so much actually. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a massive blues fan. So like, uh, I am too. But that that's the thing is, I cut my teeth on "She's So Heavy." Right, I'm all about the baseline in something. Yeah, right. Fair like I, I wanted that that experimental Beatles. I'm not in it for she wants. I want to hold your hand. I don't give a fuck, man. Go go pitch that shit somewhere else. Yeah, I want Maxwell Silverhammer. Right, I want the weird late the later, Beatles. later Beatles. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I came yeah. from, and then yeah. that naturally turned into Stones for me. You're not here for paperback, right there. So <laughs> <laughs> not so much, no. Um, but yeah, it's, I want, uh, I wanted the experimental stuff, like a day in the life, right? The fact that they did that weird cacophony of noise in the middle of that yeah. song instead of nowhere. Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah. I, she she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is not music to me. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's girl music. I think that's why I, I preferred the stones because they well, were it always, was, yeah, it was. They, yeah. they, they always were authentic with everything they did. And, and I don't know, man, like they, they, they. They pulled on my heart a lot more than the Beatles ever did. So mm-hmm. it's funny. I didn't really discover the Stones until later, or early in my twenties, because I went from the Beatles to to Floyd and Zeppelin. Yeah. I did like a hard turn. Well, and then I went back into the Stones and the Doors and shit. I was a fairly straight laced kid all the way through high school and everything else. And when I got out of high school, I spent some time abroad, and then I came back, and that's when I kind of hit that rebellious phase that everyone goes through. Did you know that he was abroad for a short period of time? Yeah, four months. Anyways, um, moving moving on. Um, when I started smoking pot, I had a good friend of mine who was like, hey, you need to listen to the Beatles when you're high. And hey. I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I sat down and listened to it. I'm like, Drugs still are bad. Don't get it. Drugs are Dad, bad. Still don't you get may it. be in British Columbia now, but this episode mostly airs in the US and they have to be 35 before they can smell a cigarette down there. So they're going to <laughs> get shot if you say the word pot. 
Well, I don't do it anymore, Terry. God. Well, but... you should. It's perfectly legal in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh, speaking about Canada. I, like, is that your segue? <laughs> like, fuck. All right, anyway, we're doing Bollywood. What's <laughs> <laughs> that going to do with Canada, man? What's <laughs> going with frogs? I don't know. Right, cut the music. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome back to another episode of It's a Mimic. I am Adam. I'm your DM this week. Beside me on my right is... You guys are doing the math, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's Terry. I was like, look at me. shit. Technically, I'm left if you go all the way around. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but we're not reaching around, Terry. Just directly on my right is... We're just a circle of jerks. That's are you waiting for me to say my own name? Yes, I am. I'm waiting for you to introduce me. No, man. Come on. Uh, hello. Pimp your own shit. Bonjour. My yeah. name is Terry. Uh, to my left is... Dan. Have you been taking French classes? Yeah. Wait. Oh, you actually have been? Yeah. Are you doing oh, it for cool. work? Uh, I'm doing it because I was just sick of being such an ignorant Englishman and not knowing another language. And I was like, French I, is easy. I don't want to learn Spanish. There's no point in me learning the real French. I'll never use it here. We speak Quebecois. So, you know what? Uh, as someone else who's learning the language right now, like I, I just love like the freaking doors it opens. I prefer them to think that I'm already fluent in French, though. And now you just let them know that I'm just learning. And so we'll yeah, cut that Anyone out. who speaks French could tell that you're just learning. All right. So uh, we're working on Bullywugs. I'm going to give you guys a quick breakdown. Then I want to talk about it. Bullywugs used to be a major mob in previous editions. Um, and they've really been neutered. There's nothing on them now in 5th edition. However, they've got some really unique flavor that we don't get from any of the other mobs. Something you want to add, Dan? <laughs> I'm just you're, – you're calling the amphibians neutered mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Okay. I, found, I found that funny. I don't know. Do people cut the penises off of frogs, Dan? <laughs> no, they're hermaphroditic. Are they? Yeah. Frogs are? All yeah. frogs or only some frogs? Are you basing all of your knowledge on Jurassic Park? No. I'm. Ba- what? No. Based my knowledge off of ha- actually having a Canadian education. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you nerd. You went to school. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Bullywugs. It says right in the Monster Manual you get like a half-page breakdown of what a Bullywug is. These guys are angry and specifically evil. Mm-hmm. These are angry, evil, little uh, frogmen, but they're not that little. <laughs> they're not from Quebec. <laughs> no, but they're not that level. Uh, little. In previous editions, they were small size. Now they're medium size, right? Which was surprising to me as I was doing the research on this. Um, they're all about the swamp, and they think they own the swamp, and they've got a weird um, royalty, like a hierarchy, where they've got... A royal um, bullywug. It's just, I, I think it's based on size more than anything else. I'm the biggest, so therefore I'm the king or the queen. Yep. Um, and, uh, and. Uh, it's also wealth by, like, reading the flavor of them. Like, yeah. The, like, the wealthiest bullywug is the one who is the king or the queen. Yeah. Definitely a big inferiority complex. Yeah. I, I think that they may be biggest because they eat the most because they have the. Yep. Anyway, so um, one of the things that I wanted to, to talk about really quickly, my favorite piece of lore about them is how the Bullywugs advance in their society, and they do it by just bending over backwards and throwing themselves at the feet of their um, of their betters, of the royalty, of the leaders, uh, and they will do they will just beg and whimper and be the most pathetic thing ever to get in the favor of of the royalty, or they will murder their freaking uh, rivals, which is a lot of fun. If they get caught, they'll be executed. But murder amongst Bullywugs is totally a thing. Yeah. Right? So it's... Well, it, it, it feels kind of medieval. Like, almost Game of Thrones level of, uh, like, posturing and, like, you're over here dropping prostates to 
Uh, oh, sorry. That's prostate? the wrong word. Prostate? That's the wrong word. No, no. Prostrate is Pro- right. Prostrate. Uh, to uh, worship. That was the joke, Terry. The to worship the people above you, but on the other hand, you're uh, sniveling and you're conniving and you're trying to get around to build your own reputation as much as you can. Like, freaking, I love Bullywugs. Doing the research this week has been lots of fun. Yeah, um, I love the fact that they've got uh, they've got. There's nothing that they love more. It says right in the book. There's nothing they love more than lording over those who trespass on their territories. Um, so they've got like a warrior cast, I think. It doesn't get into it, but they say their warriors do this, mm. right? There are different kinds of Bollywoods, and it seems to be really open-ended in 5th edition about what kinds there are. And um, they like to um, impress their guests, the people trespassing, with how important and lovely they are. But they all of the shit that they have, they've stolen from others in raiding uh, parties and, and scavenging and whatnot, and they don't take very good care of it. Yeah. Right? So it's like, look at how great this worn leather glove is that it's I It's like have. the family where I knock off gear and all the bikes are in the front yard and the washing machine. Yeah, right? But but look at how... Look, we have three washing machines. But I got this fake Louis Vuitton purse. Yeah, exactly. knock off our boots. <laughs> um, I, I like the idea that they've, uh, they're going to ally themselves with other amphibians, specifically other frog-type creatures. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, even, even though, like, one of them isn't quite... Like, it looks like a frog... And it has a swallow mechanic and everything else, but it's not a like it's not where it's from. Yeah, no, it just no, takes that form. Yeah, no, we'll we'll get to it though. It's it's almost like if it's these are not intelligent creatures, right? Their their base intelligence of a regular bullywug is a seven, right? So, so they got a negative two to this. They're not smart. If they see something that if it looks like a frog and it sounds like a frog, it's frog. And if it's bigger than I am and it's got more intelligence, it's better than I am, and therefore I will I will bow down to it. Right? You know what? They feel like freaking Ferengis to me. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're gross. They're from like a, a wet area. They're conniving and scheming against each other all the time. And, and they're all about wealth, right? So um, they can all, they're all amphibious, so they can breathe air and water. Uh, but I again, it's swamp. We're not talking oceans or coasts or rivers necessarily. I mean, maybe the odd river, but mostly swampland and marshes. Hmm. Um, they, every one of them can speak with frogs and toads. They are all able to camouflage in a swamp, which just gives them advantage on their stealth checks in swampy terrain. And the Bullywug's long jump, uh, they've got a, they got a standing leap mechanic where they can, from standing, jump 20 feet away and, and as high as 10 feet. This is all pretty standard frog stuff, right? Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that they're challenge rating quarter, and they get a multi-attack, which you don't get a lot of at this level. No. Right? So um, they've got their... Uh, they get... A bite and a spear. And their spear is um, uh, versatile as well. They can use it one-handed or two-handed. right? Their bite mechanic is a whopping 1d4 plus 1 bludgeoning damage. Right, So there's not a whole lot going on to your basic Bullywood. Their bite is bludgeoning? Is yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, it's because they don't, they don't have teeth. No teeth. They the don't have teeth. So um, they're, I absolutely love Ghosts of Saltmarsh. And one of the great things about it is they gave us two new kinds of bullywugs. Up until this year, we only had the one. Thank you, Ghost of Saltmarsh. Exactly. So here's the thing about the croakers. The first one is that uh, they have the ability to weave magic into their songs, which is why I wanted to start with yeah. talking about music, is because these are the bardic freaking bullywugs. I love the name of these abilities. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're so much fun. Um, and uh, they've got an entire adventure around them, uh, which is the danger at Dunwater, 
So if you have the uh, Ghost of Salt Marsh, or you're going to go out and pick it up, there's actually a really cool Bullywug like entire centric yeah uh, adventure around yeah. them. It's pretty short, but it, but it's good too. But they say they are among the most pompous of Bullywugs. Their stats aren't really that much better across the board. Um, they get a uh, saving throw uh, with con plus three, which is good, and they've got a couple other minor mechanical things. They have all the basic uh, monster features, but they have two, and this is the best thing ever, they have two um, uh, song like croaks. special attacks that they can do. One of them is called Glarpat. And it's when... And they One more use, time? Glarpat. Okay. Yep. Uh, where the croaker sings a song of marshy doom up to three times a day. Uh, each chosen creature within 30 feet of the croaker that can hear the song needs to make a wisdom saving throw. It's low. It's a DC 12. You're probably going to pass it. But, I mean, we're talking a challenge rating 2. You put three or four of these down, someone's likely going to lose against it, right? Um, or you're going to take 2d8 psychic damage, which is amazing for how low level it is that mm -hmm. we're seeing psychic damage. Um, so I'm assuming that this just hurts your soul. It's a gloomy clarp. Yeah, it, it, it's like this dreary song of dread. Yep. And then the other one, which is even better, is... One more time. This is awful. Yeah, right? <laughs> I want to... If I'm going to do a Bullywood campaign, I'm going to just like double, triple, quadruple track my voice doing this and then play it for people. So there's just like a cacophony of noises here. But this one is the Croker sings an ode to an elder frog hemoth. And it just gives everybody else, um, the, all Bullywugs within 30 feet, 10 additional temporary hit points. So, oh. Yeah, so it actually heals up, which is pretty significant. That's significant because they have like, the base one has 18 hit points or something like that. Base. 11. 2d8 plus 2. You're you doubling it. Yeah. Right there. So um, the other one that we get is the Bullywug Royal. Uh, it says that they're even bigger, which is cool, but mechanically they're still medium. Um, these sneering specimens dress in robes made from leather, rough cloth, and uh, and bits of marsh plants. Like, these guys are gross. They're dirty, they're nasty, they're swampy creatures. Um, we have even better stats here. The intelligence is a whopping 10. Ooh. So They can carry a conversation if they understood common. Yeah. Uh, I which like, they don't. Which they don't. Um, do they? No, they don't. None of them do. They're all, they only speak Bullywug. Yeah. So um, they get Royal Spear as an attack. Uh, and this one does 2d6 plus 3 piercing damage. Or twelve or, or 2d8 plus 3 piercing. I, I want to use both hands. Hold on. If the target is medium or smaller, they're going to get knocked prone. I wanted to ask, is the Royal Spear the way they use the spear... Or is the item itself the royal spear? And thus, if you kill one of these things and pick up a royal spear, do you get a spear that does 2d8 damage? And no. that can knock over prone things? No, because this is used in a multi-attack with things like bite, claw, hoof, ram, right? These are... Is it? Do they have multi-attack? Yeah, they have multi-attack. Every bullywog has multi-attack. Okay. But because multi-attack is traditionally with other verbs... And not nouns, I would say. Actually, you know what? I, you can make an argument. There are like long sword attacks and short bow attacks. Yeah, I would. No, I would call this because I, if you have a spear that does two d eight, like make it like a versatile spear that does two d eight damage if you're using it two handed. Woof! 
That is your most powerful melee weapon in any I campaign. And the reason I would the reason I would say no to that is I don't think the Bullywogs have the technology or the magical capabilities to create a spear that does two d eight damage. Also, we're talking CR three. Yeah, over what? Elves? Well, the the Royal CR seven, isn't he? Nope, CR three. All right. Well, so so here's here's the thing about um, the the spear as well. It's knocking prone. How do you knock someone prone with a spear? With just a awesome spear that's not magical. You do it by by actually tripping them and having a technique. Yeah. Therefore, I'm calling it a, a maneuver and not a, a Okay, cool. Item. Yep, yeah. no, I'm with you. They also I'm get a croaked decree. The royal makes a loud pronouncement. And each bullywug within 60 feet of the royal that can hear the pronouncement has advantage on the next attack roll. You know what? Honestly, so far, these bullywugs just... They're, they're not overwhelming me at all. Uh, we've... That's it. That's all. That's all of what that's we all have. Got. You got to be clever with it. If okay. You use them. So, so the one thing I would do, like, we name these things mob mentality. Like, you throw away mob bullywogs, and their abilities bolster mobs. Their abilities are focused on mobs. Right. And Run that, them as large. Right. Groups. And that brings me to my question: How would you use a bullywog? Oh, and, I know. And, and encounters. So let's. Roll initiative on this, Dan, before you freaking blow your load all over Thank the place. Thank you, Daniel. Fuck you, Adam. <laughs> so the folks at home, I rolled initially, I think it was a four. Yeah. And Dan knocked my die up to a an 14 or an 18 or something, and Adam knocked it back down to a four. So I'm very happy. So I got to go first. So use them as mobs. Yes. <laughs> like large groups of bullywugs. These things what, are... What tier are we talking? Man, like, I would have uh, small groups of scouts that are like... A choker and four uh, bullywogs. A, a croaker, not a croaker. A croaker. Sorry, yeah, a croaker. Choker, I don't even know her. Hey. <laughs> I don't get it. But I will eventually. Uh, Carry on. I would use Will a... you go through her possessions? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would use a croaker and like four of the normal bullywogs. Uh, the croaker could be riding a giant frog as well. And these are all going to be like... Late just, just first fo- tier. Just focus on bullywugs only. Yeah, well, don't thi- don't talk about their allies yet. Bullywugs yeah, yeah, only. I'm with you. But uh, the I would have these in very low tier, just as scouting groups. And as you push yourself into their domain, you're you're one. You're probably meeting your higher end, your royals, late first tier, early second tier. Like they're they're not a lot of power to these guys. But they are your doorway to other allies that we'll talk about later that are more powerful. Right. So let's just focus on an encounter. Yeah. So build an encounter with Bollywugs only. And I'm saying I would run like a, a croaker and four uh, four or six other Bollywugs that jump the party when they are in the middle of the swamp, making their way through. They jump them. They knock them out. They're not there to kill. They want to brag. They want to show their stuff off, and they want to capture. So, knock them out, capture, bring the party to the royal who sits there and babbles at them in uh, bullywog because he doesn't speak common. And then you have a really fun um, uh, social encounter, a fun role playing encounter where your party's trying to have a discussion. This is actually something that happens in. Um, uh, Tomb of Annihilation just with uh, the other ones, uh, Grungs. Happens with the other frog type things of Grungs where you are in a Grung court and you and you are trying to talk to a Grung nobleman. And the only reason why they're Grungs and not Bullywugs is because you're in a jungle and not a swamp. 
Yeah, I know that grungs. Do grungs swing evil? Grungs swing evil. Yeah, but I, I feel like Bullywugs are. They're almost comedic. Yeah, now I'm with you. Right? I mean, as much as they're not, then they're evil and they're actually kind of dangerous in big numbers. And you're in swamplands, these things are going to drown you. Right? That's a major factor as mm-hmm. well. I, I feel like we. We're getting some comedy out of them bowing down. They're scary enemies, but then the moment the role play happens, they're pathetically hilarious. Right? That's kind of where they're... Yep. Yeah, nope. Yep. Okay. Adam, you're next. Well, I, like I said, if I'm going to... First of all, I, I've got two thoughts on this one. I want them to have raiding parties to nearby villages. Um, I don't want them being opportunistic for people coming through the swamp. I want them to be uh, proactive. I want them hitting nearby villages and raiding all of the loot. And when the... Um, these are these are my Ewoks in a swamp, mm-hmm. right? And when the nobles come in or when the knights come in to stop them, whatever it is, they raid the knights. They wait until late at night and you hear, you know, the frog sounds, the croaking in the swamp and whatnot. They're looking around. You never see them because they're all underwater and they've all got this advantage on, on stealth checks. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, they pop up, they steal all your shit, they incapacitate you, and they, and the, they go off again. I like them as... As thieves, and I like them. As, they're not going to burn down huts. They're not orcs. They're not. They're not going to murder people. No. They're not gnolls. I I just had a really good idea with them, but I'll wait. Yeah, no, no. Go well, on. I, I my life has been horror campaigns and horror level things right now. So I would I would use these Are as you sick of paying for it. Pardon? What? Not horror. 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 It sounds very much the same the way you said. I am trying to add that extra roar. But anyways, or. it's horror. Or anyways, horror. say terror. Just terror. from now on, you just use the word terror. Terror, terror campaigns. Yeah, but then everyone's gonna say, say, the I say mirror. Say mirror, mirror, mirror. Jesus Christ! Fuck me. <laughs> I'm Canadian yeah. too, and this pisses me off. Anyone anyway, thinks, anyways, anyone who thinks Canadians can't speak probably need to take a long look in the mirror. <laughs> See, I can't even mirror. say mirror. 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 Anyways, uh, I would use them as a, a I would use them in a horror campaign where they are uh, they're not exactly intelligent by their base camp by their base stats, but I would use them to add a lot of ambience to uh, an encounter where they're off on the sides in the shadows, skulking in the shadows, croaking low, and like making these ominous. Frog noises as you're making your way through some sort of wilderness or even inside of a town, right? And it's, you know, you hear a couple if frog you, bleats over if, here. If you and get some new players that have never seen a Bollywood before, right? Dan, and you start talking about the, the deadly frogman of the swamp. And yeah. then you start to hear these Dan, croaks. I'm annoyed with you because it was my turn and you took a second turn and that was my idea. Okay, it's, sorry. I do not think that they're taking... No, it's a great idea, but I'm going to do mine here. I don't think that Bollywoods are taken seriously enough, and I don't think that's why they're used enough, because we lean into this comedic thing. I started thinking about swamps, and started thinking about uh, Never Any Story, Swamp of Sadness, mm-hmm. and started thinking about how we can make it more horror-like, because I, too, like the horror-type things. And I was thinking about low horror, croaks. Horror. 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 Yeah. All right. Horror, mirror, terror. None of us can say this properly. And there's not an scary, any of those scary words. Scary campaigns. Yeah. But like you, <laughs> the, the, the low, I, I just imagine the low off in the distance and that, that kind of echoes across the swamp. I think they should be used as, and I think 
in the D&D world, there should be stories told to children about the bullywog frogmen that will come and drag you into the tunnels in the swamp. I think if you call them frogmen, then you're going to get a scarier side of it. You can lean into the fright aspect. See how I'm not saying the words, guys? Yeah. You lean into the fright aspect of it. Whereas if you call them bullywugs, you're hitting the comedy aspect. Right. I 100% agree. But your your original question is how would I use them in an encounter? Yeah. I think the mechanics of these mobs are often overlooked. They have a 20-foot long jump and a 10-foot high jump. So you're not hitting these things because they're jumping over you. They're literally leapfrogging over you. So if they want to stay out of your way, they could throw their spears and... And there'd just be a fucking nightmare to hit. By the way, they're coming in and out of the water. And I think... You're, you're using hand motions. No one can see it. I'm using a leapfrog-type motion that, again, could be argued as dolphins. But what I'm saying is, if you just... <coughs> If you just do it as the one. you come in and they just make their attack and then they stay there, th- that's just not using their mechanics properly. No. No, they can jump over you. They can jump, they can attack you and jump over you back yeah, to the water. Remember, they can avoid attacks of opportunity. Remember, this is 5th edition where you can attack in the middle of a move if you really wanted to. Yep. Right? So, so do the jump, mid jump, spike the dude, land away, and then land move in it. the swamp. Land in the swamp, pick up the next spear. Pick up the, the next spear and come back out. By the way, you have yeah. 40 feet of movement. I know they don't have a high intelligence. The yeah, IQB will. They don't have a high intelligence. No, but they've lived there for a long time and they know what works for them. They still yeah. have tactics. Right, yeah. but but knowing your surroundings is wisdom, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not it's, intelligence. Exactly, because so. you could say, well, wolves don't have high intelligence. But they but, have pack tactics. Yeah, but they have pack tactics and they know how to hunt and so do bullywugs. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. And I think. Frankly, if you have, if you can surround a player with eight bullywugs, then you are rolling, I would say, four grapple checks with advantage against this player. You've got a really good chance, even with their low stats. Yeah. You've got a really good chance of grabbing them and dragging them underwater. Yeah. We're talking overwhelming numbers. And more so than for goblins or for orcs, like we've talked about in the past. Bullywugs will rely on this. And they have a swim speed of 40 feet. So if they're dragging someone, that's a kind of difficult terrain, 20 feet, they're still going to be moving faster than most of the party. And it's a swamp. I'm going to say that the majority of that water is not going to, you're not going to be able to see through it, right? It's going to act as an opaque. You have no idea where they've gone. Your party member is disappeared, like being dragged by a crocodile into the water. Yeah. Which then leads into my complaint about breath mechanics and drowning mechanics, but we can get into that another time. Anyway, let's uh, let's cut to a commercial, and then we can move on to uh, some of these allies that, that Dan keeps talking about. So, uh, commercial time! This episode is brought to you by WildBot3D.com. Condition markers, spell trackers, AoE templates, scatter terrain, and much more. Proudly made in Georgia and personally packaged and shipped worldwide. That's WildBot3D, your home for quality 3D printed tabletop gaming accessories and terrain. Visit WildBot3D.com to purchase your new favorite accessories today. WildBot3D.com Wildbot. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, I'm going to refrain from starting off with, and we're back, like we do in every single one. Well, how would they know that we're back? By listening. Anyways, so uh, let's talk a little bit about allies. There are a handful of frog and toad type creatures. Um, and just really quickly, um, I want to talk about the difference between what... Do you guys know the difference between a frog and a toad? At all? Is it, uh, I, one can't leap. 
but no nope. waddles. No, nope. no, no. Is it uh, is it the texture of skin? That's one of them. So let, let, let me go through. There are a couple ways to tell. Both frogs and toads begin life as tadpole in water, but they've got very different habitats. Frogs live in water like ponds, lakes, and streams, but toads live on land and are found in fields, gardens, and forests. Um, their eyes are different. A frog's eyes bulge out top of their head like you're picturing, whereas a toad's eyes um, are really like it's set into their head and they've got a weird like football shape um, iris to them. Ooh. Yep. Um, the frogs have long legs that are kind of spindly, the back legs that help them leap further. Yeah. Whereas toads have, have squat and more powerful muscular legs. Um, they have, they both have long sticky tongues, but uh, a toad's tongue is shorter, which means that they actually have a better, they, you'd think that because they have less reach, they're not able to go quite as far, um, but they have a longer or a, uh, because it's shorter, they have better accuracy. Because they're closer to the bugs themselves. So, so it's not about the size, is what they do with it. Exactly, yeah. Cool. Um, that was totally inappropriate. Hey. Um, uh, there's also the frog skin. Frog give me. Uh, I won't, though. Uh, I, nor will I froget. I feel like I want to choke myself on this D20. <laughs> uh, frog skin is slimy. Toad skin is bumpy. Yeah. I think this is really cool and important for D&D flavor. Um, and then the last thing is frogs have freaking teeth. Even though bullywugs do bludgeoning damage... Frogs have teeth. They're like very that, small, and it's only on the top. I feel like that's because whoever uh, created the bullywog in the game didn't know that frogs have teeth, and it's just yeah. held, held true. So anyway, I think that that's, that's kind of fun to, cool. yeah. to know. I had an opportunity to, to learn you some infos, so I decided to get on that. Nice. Let's uh, let's Thanks, roll. Dan. We, we each, you are Squirrely Dan. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, let, we each grabbed a different um, ally. I, I grabbed a bunch of the little shit, but let's roll for initiative. See who's going to talk first about who a bullywug allies with. Sure. Natural 20 hits Fuck to a 15. You. 17. Fuck you, running bud. Please don't. That's disgusting, and it makes me uncomfortable, Daniel. That would be, that'd be very difficult to All right. Do. You know what? It, I think that it's good that we're going in this order. We're, we're going from, from tiny beasts all the way up to the monstrosity that, yeah, that Terry enough. has. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I wouldn't call it a monstrosity, but I've never had any complaints. Well, it's the three eyes that's weird, <laughs> and the four tentacles. Seriously, both of you need to see a doctor. So, first of all, I'm going to start off with the obvious frog. Um, this is a tiny beast. It literally has. <laughs> How did I? Well, there's going to be another word. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're going to do allies for the uh, for the bullywugs. First thing. This is this a thrilling episode. Yeah. Bullywug's ally with well, frogs. If you, if you guys would shut the fuck us. up, it could be. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so frogs. Now, my favorite thing about frogs is that I've actually played one in a D&D campaign. Terry turned me into one. I'm playing one in another type of campaign right now. That's weird and <laughs> wrong. Um, so frogs actually have an AC of 11 because they're so tiny. Um, they've got just shit stats across the board, except their decks. Which is pretty good, as you would expect. They're really good at, at stealth, considering they're a CR zero. Um, they've got their standing leap, like much like the Bullywug, but it's um, half as much, ten feet uh, at high or ten feet long and five feet high. Um, and uh, they have no effective attacks. They feed on small insects and typically dwell near water, trees, or the underground. And their stats can represent a toad. That's all there is on frogs. And while you may think that this is relatively useless. How about a swarm of these motherfuckers? Right? What if you rain frogs? 
I think that's why they're in. For a plague of frogs, that's why they're in. Also, polymorph. Yeah. I got polymorphed into a frog, right? Also, a plague of frogs. What did I say? Dan said plague. As though it's spelled with an E. Are we really? Are we going this path? Are we gonna voice? It's 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 pronounced plage of of frogs. (laughs) Anyway, so um, I like these these frogs and toads as harbingers of Bollywood. When we talk about exploration and we're seeing kind of what else is out there and signs of Bollywood um, uh, environments and civilizations, frogs and toads need to be there first, right? And we, yes, Daniel. What are you no, clapping no, keep, about? Keep going. You're just you're, you're a piece of shit. Okay. No, what I'm saying is using them as a sign, you actually give me a really cool idea. As a DM, have your party. If you are using them as a sign, don't just put them on the path. Don't just put them like around the party. Literally have one jump. Just a standard frog CR0. Doesn't give no one gives a shit about it. Lands them. on their shoulder. Literally landed on their shoulder or something, right? And that will be the thing that draws your player's attention. If you say there are frogs on the path, that's kind of boring, bland, move on from that, right? But, but what having, about, what having about tree frogs, man? The the you're in a swamp and the trees are full of frogs. Yeah, okay. Have having one land on your wizard or or whatever like the squeamish person in your party is. Like I I don't know, man. I just I just love making your party squirm like that. Yeah, I Frogs aren't squirmy to me, but I like that. I was like the idea, maybe like it's a toad, and then I get a wart. Mm-hmm. Mm. And now you need greater restoration, bitches. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the next one that I was going to cover was giant frogs. These are actually medium beasts. These things are like, giant. They're, frogs. they're giant frogs, but you think that your dog is a small creature? These things are big. They're going to eat your freaking dog. Um, they've got better stats. They're CR one quarter. They've got a bite attack, but their bite, uh, if they hit. Also grapples. Um, and and the target is then restrained. They can also automatically swallow any creature that is small or smaller. So there goes your familiars and your pets. And your halflings. Mm-hmm. Right? So these things could just out of the loop. And again, they're CR a quarter. You can hit them with ten of these. They automatically swallow? Like right, like if the, they the, hit the, with the that frog attack. makes one bite attack against a smaller, smaller target that it is grappling. So they've got it and it's grappled with the tongue. If okay. the if the attack hits, the target is swallowed and the grapple ends. Okay, so so that there's round round the one they've got to grab it. So yeah. Round the two they swallow. It. Okay, so it's yeah, not a, and then cool. you're you're taking the acid damage inside. And I mean, it's this is low damage, but it's really cool way to freak out people in tier one, right? Yeah. Is um, especially those new players where it's like, oh, fuck, what's happening? Yeah, what does that mean? The yeah. second you bring uh, swallowing into the game, you're going to bring the restrained attack and what that means for your player inside. Can they attack the inside of the turtle? Or the inside of the frog? The turtle? The, just move on. Frog. <laughs> I'm not going to move on, Dan. <laughs> that, move that, on. that was a... That was a shell of a mistake. Turtles would never be in trees jumping on no. shoulders. And we're gonna actually going to do a an episode about the difference between turtles and tortoises at another time as well. Okay, cool. But for now... More biology with Adam. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> we, we will have dragon Terry, turtles at some point. I won't. So. Ter- Terry is super enthused by this idea. So anyway, uh, Terry just doesn't like to learn. Um, <laughs> to, all is learning. Can, can they hit on the inside? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, you off a freaking auto hit. How do you miss? Um, well, restraint gives you disadvantage on the attack. I no, would say you no, miss. no, yeah, no, no. Restraint is you don't move. 
It might be grappled that gives you disadvantage on that attack. And you are no longer grappled once you've been swallowed. Okay, cool. So you just straight up can swing your greatsword through the inside of a frog. Yeah, man, why the fuck not? Right? You're going to auto-hit. This thing's going to swallow you. I don't see any reason why you can't just, like, stab your way out. Um, but uh, then beyond that is the giant toad, who is exactly the freaking same, except it's a CR1 because it has better stats. Um, so, uh, and they're large. So these things are mounts. The it, I wouldn't have a giant frog be a mount, but a giant toad. And the giant toads are going to be on land as well, right? So um, it's funny. They've got the same speed. As a bullywug does, but they're just mounted for some reason. Oh, for the prestige. I, I, and I think that's exactly what it is. What do you got for, for restraint? Restrained is attack rolls against the creature who is restrained have advantage. Yep. All right, cool. So, um, but you don't move, right? That's the thing. Yeah. Your speed is zero. Yeah. So there we go. That's it. Those are the frog beasts that exist or the toad beasts. These are your amphibians that the bullywugs will have. I think that these things need to be really cool tier one surprise threats like you're looking for frogmen and a giant toad is sitting in the middle of the road right and as much as you've like you've been dealing with frogs and toads for the last day and it's kind of annoying and you're tired of hearing your dm go over and over again or whatever noise they're making um you should the giant toad should go now don't freak out (laughs) (laughs) but um but you've got this and they're going to come up to this toad and be like well is that the frogman it's this large creature. Is this what we're dealing with? The size of a horse. And it just opens its mouth and flips out its tongue and hits you and swallows you. And now you are inside a toad. Right? I just think that that's, that's, that's kind of neat. All right, Dan, um, you are next. What do we got? Let's go bigger. Uh, next biggest on the list here is a uh, large monstrosity um, birthed by hags and dark magic. Well, we're still talking swamps. I love it. It makes sense. Yep. Um, they... This creature is a hybrid of shadow. It is and and flesh. It is a um, hunter. It is a hitman. It is big. It's ugly. Talk about one of my favorite monsters, the Banderhob. I freaking love this thing, the Banderhob. The Banderhob. I would like. Isn't that a? Isn't that a? Freaking Black Mirror episode. It sounds like a really no. Rich that's band that's a uh, Bandersnatch, and that is from. Never mind. Uh, Never mind. I'm bailing on this conversation. <laughs> Keep going. Um, but so the Banderhob is a, a created hitman that uh, hags and powerful wizards, whether they be mortal or not, have created in order to hunt down and seek out foes to take. They have a frog-like appearance, and that's where their frog-like behavior kind of ends. They do have a swallow, um, but for the most part, they, they like a play- small bird. Uh, no, like an actual swallow mechanic. Okay. But they have a uh, very different um, approach to them when it comes to their, their frog-like behavior and how they operate during combat. Um, they Because they are born of shadow and flesh, they are inherently stealthy. They're immensely... Uh, uh, sorry. They are immensely uh, evil, and they can move throughout the battlefield like no one else. Let's get down to the mechanics of them. They have at 20 strength, can, 20 But con. can they move through? They've got a speed of 30 feet. They've got a speed of 30 feet, but they've also got a 
flip the page too far. Um, they, they've also got this ability to teleport. They've got their shadow stealth, sorry. which while in dim light or darkness, they can, uh, take the hide action as a, the hide action as a bonus action. They feel really roguish to me. They are incredibly roguish. Um, so just right off the bat, they got AC 15. They got 84 hit points. These things are CR5. Um, by themselves, they're fairly beefy. Um, they move 30 feet. They've got uh, 20 strength, 20 con, 14 wisdom. Um, they are, by and large, more statistically powerful than even your greatest bullywug. Um, but they are a creation of magic. They are uh, an amalgamation of um, need and and uh hatred at this point so um the banderhob its entire existence is to hunt down the task that its creator sent it to and when it's done it will disappear into the shadow fell or have another mission anything else and they they mechanize this with this resonant connection the creator the banderhob has a time the creator of the banderhob um, will most likely give it, but the Banderhob has a tiny piece of a creature or an object in his possession, such as a lock of hair or a splinter of wood, and it knows the most direct route to that creature at any point in time, as long as it's within a mile. This feels almost like a frog revenant to me. It very much so, uh, yeah. Um, well, again, it's got the shadow stealth, and then its actions are hilarious in and of itself. Um, it has its bite. Which does a massive amount of damage, both piercing, um, it, sorry, it does the piercing damage of 5d6 plus 5 for a bite attack at a CR5, that's a massive hit. And then you are immediately grappled if you are large size or smaller. Which you will be, even Which, with a large, but you are large size. This thing is grappling things that are equal size as it. Yep. Which it will eat your horse. Yeah, and, and you're restrained, right? And you can't... Yep. Like, and, of course, if it grapples you in this way, it can't use its bite or tongue attack on another target, sure. right? This is standard for all the bites that we've talked about so yeah. far. Um, it also has a 15-foot reach tongue attack. So do I. Which <laughs> which hits one creature for 3d6 necrotic damage. Mine's Ooh. all psychic damage. And then the target makes a strength saving throw, and on that save, it is pulled within 5 feet of the banner hob, which then can use a bonus action to bite it. And grapple it. And then and because of that bite attack, grapple it. Good lord. That's uh Yeah. That's powerful. The banner hob then can swallow, much the same way the giant frog and giant toad can, where it makes another bite attack of, of a target it has grappled. Um if it hits, it's swallowed. Uh the swallowed creature is blinded and restrained. That's where the uh disadvantage on attacks is. You are blinded. You have disadvantage on attacks when you're blinded. So when you're inside, you have disadvantage on attacks against the thing inside because you're blind. You're right. Yeah, that's where it was. Um, you know what? It I, just feels a bit like how are you going to miss with your crossbow? I yeah, I I feel like you're, I'm just going to give you an auto hit from the inside. I just that's, am. that that's fair. Right. Yeah. Um. So you take three d six necrotic damage at the start of each of the Banderhob's turns if you are inside of it. Um. And the Banderhob can only have one creature swallowed at this time. Now, the thing I love about the Banderhob, it's going to go, it's going to grab its prey, it's going to bite it and grapple it on one turn, it's going to swallow it the next, 
And then the turn after that, it can magically teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space of dim light or darkness. None of this is a rechargeability. So it can do any of the shit at will. Yep. It can start with the tongue attack every freaking round until it works. And the thing I love the most about the Vanderhop is you could start with the shadow step. And if you take that 30 foot teleport before or after teleporting, doesn't really matter. It can make the biter tongue attack. So you jump as your action. You teleport in 30 feet. You hit the thing with the tongue. It then moves within five feet because it fails its strength save. And then you bite it in one turn. Yeah, the next turn you... Next turn, you, you swallow, swallow and fuck off. And fuck off. I'm into it. Using your bonus action to hide in the swamp, and then you're never being found because you are... I fucking love that. And you got enough hit points where you're going to survive that round. Yeah. Now, the one interesting little thing I I put in, because these things are innately magical, and this is just a little bit of flavor that I put in it when I've used these things in my campaign, um, I've given these guys mimicry. They don't speak. It very uh, specifically says they do not speak or anything else. But having these guys off in the woods embrace the horror of that and have them just like go, that. help. These things make the oh, sound I of love people bleeding. Finally seeing it and it still goes, help. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, fuck. And then like a velociraptor, the one from the side hits you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I, I freaking love banderhubs. They're one of my favorite animals. And then I would I would just throw frogs in with them, not because they are innately froggy and like the frogs follow them around, but because why not? Like add the flavor to them. I, as much as it's hags, I can totally see a couple of Bollywood royals with the magical item creating these things and using them yeah. against their enemies. Now, Especially because the Bollywogs fight in and amongst themselves, right? Well, I talk about random encounters as well. It doesn't just have to be, for some reason, there's one standing in the, in the middle of the road. If you're seeing frogs and giant toads around, that banderhop, that could be that banderhop's food. You're coming across that creature feasting on the giant toads, and you've yeah. just come across, you just walked into its meal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. The one last thing I want to mention about the banderhop before I move on is um, in the description of them, they. Throw in this little tidbit of information that I absolutely love where um, I'm just going to read it. In the earliest days of the world, they're uh, birthed by night hags, which we know, where they devised the ritual that led to the creation of the first Banderhob. A hag that knows the ritual might be willing to teach it for the right price. Um, some other dark fae or powerful fiends also know the process, as do Few mortal mages. Instructions might also be found on a tome devoted to debase wi- uh, wizardry. They have put in the lore, in the flavor of this, a way for you to give your players the ability to summon one of these things. Or have your evil wizard summon them. But, like, the ability to teach this as a ritual. To summon the Banderhop. And then you figure out what the material components is as flavor. Like I would absolutely never, ever, ever do that until the party is level 17. Oh, yeah. No, they have to be higher level for that. And it, probably in an evil campaign, because these things are horribly innately evil, they're they're created solely to hunt out an object and kill it. So, yeah, that's me. Banderhops. Man. Well, I was into that. That leaves me. I have the Frog Hemoth. Okay, first of all, these things are terrifying. And I'll just be honest. I know sometimes you guys like to put jokes and stuff in your campaigns. I hate stupid names. And the Frog Hemoth is a fucking stupid name and instantly stops it from being scary for me, even though it actually is terrifying. Okay? Do you think the G-H in Frog Hemoth can actually be pronounced like an F? It could be a Froth-Hemoth? Hmm. Froth-Hemoth? A Froth-Hemoth? Froth-Hemoth. Froth-Hemoth? No, it's Frog Hemoth. 
Anyway, anyway <laughs> Dan is wrong. No, I the, for me these things are like they are shoehorned uh, Cthulhu like. Whoa! I'll tell you what they are. Okay. Yeah. Shut up, Daniel. Can you believe this guy? Yes. Okay, Frog Hemus is an amphibious predator as big as an elephant. It's layers in swamps and has four tentacles, which is interesting, uh, and a thick rubbery hide. A fang-filled more. What's what's strange about these creatures is that they are otherworldly. And in the lore, and I have researched this, it's not clear where they came from. There is a story that they appeared out of giant cylinders, but it's never been proven to be true, and also where they came from or what the cylinders were, it's not known. They're hungry from birth. Every few years, a frog hemoth can lay a fertile egg without even mating, but the frog hemoth cares nothing for the egg and is likely to eat the hatchling. If a bollywug tribe or an individual bollywug comes across a frog hemoth, they treat the frog hemoth as a god and will try and coax the, bo- the frog hemoth to come into their lair, which to me seems like about the stupidest idea you could ever come up with ever. They will actually try and get it to enter their lair and convince it to work that you know they're going to praise it and 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 to and to be on their side uh and they can eventually convince them to do that but only once they've eaten a few bollywogs along the way but for me that just seems crazy but let's go on Dan. the other little thing i love about them is uh these things are huge they're huge they they're terrifying what, what what's their challenge they're unaligned rating? oh their challenge rating is their challenge rating is 10 they're they're cr10 um and they will often happily join a bullywug lair. They can communicate with them on a basic level a, as well. On a basic level. And they'll just sit there and they'll be okay as long as they keep on getting things to eat. Yeah. But I love the fact that these things are cosmic horror level villains. Cosmic horror level villains that have just been like shoved into the D&D world and kind of made ridiculous. But they're like otherworldly. They've they're got from these somewhere off. They're from somewhere in the off. multiverse. I I I you you kind of briefly glossed over the fact that there's the lore that they were found in metal cylinders in the earth and birthed from those that no one knows where these metal cylinders are from or even or if who, that's true. Or even if that's true, but I love the fact that these things are like cosmic horrors that have been thrown on the land and Yeah. Um, I feel I feel like, like a, some strangers like a star yeah. spawn is gonna show up and just be like oh that's where we left them exactly yeah, exactly yeah yeah like yeah. a mind flare is gonna be like oh we saw those on that other planet yeah but yeah. Uh, just to get into their into their stats a little bit obviously they're huge so they're incredibly strong they have a strength twenty three dex thirteen con is twenty and that's the general rule like the bigger it is the higher con it's gonna get yep. intelligence any guesses six two intelligence of two. Wolf. But this thing is as smart as the horse. But here's the strange thing: oh, the intelligence of two, wisdom twelve. I don't know. Right. Well, okay, because wisdom is mislabeled in fifth edition. Wisdom is about how well you interact with the natural world. It's survival. It's perception. It's not how wise you are, mm. and that's the problem with it. I feel like this needs to be renamed to awareness. Yeah, intuition. Uh, yeah, instinct. Right, and instinct. That, yeah, yeah. Whereas the uh, intuition could be more insight based. Could be yeah, I feel like intuition could almost be more charismatic. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Um, so, they're amphibious. Obviously, the the uh, frog hemoth can breathe air and water. They have shock susceptibility. So, if a frog hemoth takes lightning damage, it suffers several effects until the end of its next turn. Its speed is halved. It takes a minus two penalty to AC and a dex and dexterity saving throws. It cannot use reactions or multi-attack on its turn. Uh, sorry, and on its turn, it can either use an action or a bonus action or both. It's essentially slowed, right? Yeah. And it has a it has a penalty to its AC. 
What happens when you strike a toad with, with lightning? Same thing as everything else. I hate this about this. Well, I'll get into it. Yeah, in yeah, all right, the reason I don't like these type of effects, and yes, I understand why they're good. It's it's just asking for metagaming. It's just asking for Dan, who's played D&D for 25 years, who knows the frog with stats, to cast Lightning Bolt immediately. Yep. But, you know, you can't blame Dan for doing that. Well, I absolutely can. I can say, you have started with the level 3 spell Fireball for every encounter. And this one, you're using Lightning Bolt. There's only one creature, so you're not getting your... Your 100 foot line here. Yeah. So explain to me why you are using lightning bolt now. Convince me, or we'll skip your turn. You can come up with a better reason after. Yeah. Right. I have no problem doing that for meta gaming. Yeah. Meta gaming. Frankly, if you're if you're DM at a table with people that are going to do that, just give them that info anyway, yeah. and drop to frogging with something. Yeah. Right. There's a there's a sage in the woods that is going to tell you mm-hmm. they're susceptible to lightning. Use your lightning. Yeah, and you'll get out of Dan's played for a long time. Here's the thing about people who play D&D for a long time. They're braggers. They will brag that they know everything about everything, and they will tell you already that they know about this condi- uh, about this situation with the frog human. I'm staring Dan. Dan's a lovely person. I am I fucking love Dan right now. But Dan won't be Don't able to hold it in that he doesn't know this information, so he will give lightning bolt and say, that's because they've got shock susceptibility. One, fuck you both. <laughs> Two, this is a CR10 creature that can be defeated with a cantrip. Like, you throw... Mm, it can be neutered with a cantrip. It can sure be it significantly defeated. neutered with a cantrip. You throw Lightning Lure from Sword Coast Adventures Guide at this thing. It is a cantrip that creates a lash of lightning energy that hits a target within range, which is 15 feet. So you get close to it. That's the danger of this thing. But you are engaging that with a spell that doesn't run out. Yeah. And, and, but again, it's the same question, but for a different reason. It'd be, this thing is a huge monstrosity that's standing in front of you. Why have you decided to use a cantrip but, against it? Yeah, and also, on top of that, though, to counteract that, they're also resistant to lightning. So whatever damage you're doing with this, is you're, you're not taking a Oh, you're, you're just doing that's it true. for them. That's true. They are resistant to lightning. And they've got a fuck ton of hit points. They do have a fuck ton of hit points. They have, um, if you want to go with their, their average hit points, they have 184 or 16d12 plus 80. Um, for their actions, go down. No, I was going to say, do people actually run the average hit points on things? Man, I don't. I do max hit points all the time. I do max hit points all the time. Yeah, everyone's a superhero. Do max hit points. What are mm-hmm. you doing? It's basic math. I used to roll the die. I used to, I would do the 16d12 plus... Um, You'd actually do the math? Plus 80. When I first started DMing, yeah. Because uh, I thought it was... You know when you don't know... Like, I thought that's what we were expected to do yeah. as DMs. I thought that was being fair, was to roll it. If you want the thing to die fast and you want this combat to be over, run its average that is posted on the thing. If you want it to, if you want to do way too much work, roll the individual hit points. If you want to just have a quick number, just run max, man. Like, see, the other thing that I do is I'll do minimum hit points. So where you've got your was sixteen d twelve yeah. plus eighty. Uh, so that's sixteen plus eight eighty. So ninety six hit points. This thing was wounded when you came up on it. Yeah, yeah, or it's, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, younger or something. Yeah, right. So. I'm also totally not above just beefing them and timesing it all by two, and here you go, have a boss. Yeah. Yeah. So, multi-attack, the frog hemoth makes two attacks with its tentacles. It can also use its tongue or bites. Okay, so here's the tentacles, okay? I'm pretty sure it's pronounced tentacles. <laughs> no. Is it, is it Greek? Tentacles. 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 Continue, Terry. It's not going to bother me because my mind is fucking bulletproof. All right? So, we both know that's not true. Coughs <laughs> or interrupts me. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, already we know that's not true. So for the tentacle, melee weapon attack, plus 10 to hit, reach 20 feet, uh, damage is 19 or 3d8 plus 6, bludgeoning damage, and the target is grappled, escape is DC 16. If it is huge or a smaller creature, so the same size as it, or smaller, um, until the grapple ends, the frog hemoth can't use um, the, the tentacle on another target. The frog hemoth has four tentacles. Yeah. And it makes two attacks with them. The bite, I won't go into it in, in too much detail. The, the bite and the tongue attacks are the same as... What the hell was the creature you were just talking about? The bander hob. The bander hob. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very similar. Rules. Yeah, they follow the same rules. If you draw it in with the tongue and then you get as a bonus action, you can use a bite attack. And then, of course, you're swallowed from there. So same strategy would be for me, or tactic strategy. Yeah. Um, different. Uh, same tactic would be swallow on, fuck off. Because the frog hemoth really just wants food, right? The frog hemoth doesn't have a grudge against the party. It's like, that one will do. Um, off I go. Yeah, but I'm thinking that if the if the bullywugs can control it somehow, then absolutely give it an agenda. Yeah. That is so weird. What's that? Every other uh, yeah, swallow, frog thing. Swallow is a different, it's a different entry in the entry. mechanics. Here is part of bite. Yeah, I think that's because they know that if you're using a frog hemoth, it's because you want to eat people. That's the thing about it, right? Fair enough. So the, it's their big claim to fame is that they're going to eat people. Now, um, we have faced a frog hemoth in one of Adam's games. Yeah, we, we did a one-shot. You guys were level seven or eight. Yeah. And you ran up against one of these guys. And the only thing you could do was goddamn run. Yeah. And Dan, didn't he nearly didn't make it. I, used, I was uh, trying to distract it because we were trying to uh, empty an orphanage that it was attacking. I made my magic swan ship and floated away. Yeah, uh, but but Dan was like, I'll distract it, and it distracted for one round. Dan was grappled, and then it kept coming. Yeah. Um, so distracting this thing, I feel like you need to use dancing lights. Yeah. Right? You're not... I would say that they maybe don't have too much of an agenda because they're unaligned, which means... I, I guess the argument would be neutral would be they don't really give a shit either way, but if they're unaligned, it suggests that they don't have a particular agenda. They're in for me. the food. Yeah. So I, I would definitely use a frog hemoth. Like they're a big ugly threat, yes, but I would say that they are the th- they are the inconvenience that someone throws at the party uh, as a distraction. They're like, like protecting the underwater. Well, I wouldn't even whatever. say they they are offensive in my, in in my opinion. Like you throw a frog hemoth at somebody, you like the frog hemoth isn't sitting there protecting you for any reason. Yeah. Right. So uh, I would have like a frog hemoth attack a town to be a distraction to uh, for all of our bullywugs to sneak into the bank and Come steal stuff. Back. Yeah, right. Like that's that's why I would. That's how I sure. would use a frog hemoth. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's cut to the. Are you done, Terry? Is there anything else yeah. you have to do? All right, done. let's cut to a shout out. First, I want to talk about the giveaway. Sure, go for um, it. We're still running the giveaway. Then the giveaway is amazing, and you guys all need to jump in on this. We are not telling anybody what you need to do except. On air. So, you are some of the lucky few, and I know that most of you haven't done this yet. So, get off your lazy asses, or or give yourself a, a notice in your car, so you'll remember when you get into your job, because most of you listen to this on the way to work. And I'm telling you right now, join the giveaway. There's only been a handful of people that have done it so far, so your chances are really, really freaking good. And you're going to get a shit ton of swag. So, here's what, what you need to do. You need to focus on each one of the three of us. I'm sorry in advance. And you need to think about the race, class, and background that each of us are. 
Let us know what we would be and why based on the D&D race class and background. And don't be lazy. When we see that Dan is a half-orc barbarian, we're just going to throw that right out the window. Yeah. Right? We want unique... This is Yeah, this is fantasy race class and background. Don't just say Dan's a white carpenter from Vancouver. That's, <laughs> that's not the game. I mean, I guess he is, though. Yeah. I, no, no, I am. Um, anyway, I'm so, like radiant white. If you were if you were any more white, you'd be clear. Yeah. yeah. So um, the sun I, hits me in certain angles and I disappear. Yeah, I pass in front of a microwave and I get a third degree burn. Yeah, you me both, but so anyway, Terry, you're not much better. We're all pretty bad. At this. <laughs> I know. I'm, 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 but I'm all right. Uh, anyway, so let us know what you think we are. You can reach us um, on Instagram at it's a mimic on Twitter at it's a mimic D and D or uh, through email. You can reach us at uh, info at itsamimic.com. And I don't know if you guys are checking out our website, but definitely check it out, itsamimic.com. Uh, we love to see the traffic coming through there and see you guys uh, interact with kind of the stuff that we have up and running right now. So uh, we've always got a couple of new things that you may not be quite aware of going on on there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Terry, do you have a shout out? I do. Me? I want to shout out just a little nerd. No. Yep, that's her name. That's her Instagram handle. That I'm not just talking about a general nerd out there. Just a little nerd who is also the DM for Roll for Damage. No, I'm not just saying words incorrectly like Dan, Dame, Wolf, as in a female lady. D A A M. Roll for Damage. Just a little nerd is there. Uh, is there DM? Uh, I like her account because she has a mix of nerdy stuff, goofy stuff, and kind of like glamour stuff, um, like fashion stuff as well. So she kind of throws her personality in with being kind of goofy and with some nerdy stuff. And there. Game runs Tuesday nights. It's East Coast. It's uh, in, in Toronto, I believe. Yeah. Tuesday nights, 8 to 11 Eastern time. I always love to see more Canadians playing. Yeah. Right? And For so... Sure. There's and, six and, of us now. Yeah. There's, and, the, there's and, just a little nerds group, but there's the three of us. Roll for Damage is all girls, right? In Toronto. That's yes. correct. So, um... The, the one thing I love about it is you guys are catching the turn of phrase uh, in her Instagram, like just a little nerd. Her name's Lily. It's no, her name. No, that's because she's... No, you're reading too much into this, Dan. Yeah. No, it's, it's Lily. Makes... No. No. So, um, it's... I know that to be false. It's J-U-S, like French juice. Yeah. It's juice Tullil dot nerd is what it is. And yeah. I, being fluent en français, can confirm that J-U-S means juice. Um, but anyway, that is just J-U-S-T-A-L-I-L dot nerd. That's correct. Right. Her name's Lily. Yep. Anyway. Coincidence. <laughs> um, and apparently she loves the D and D. It's right in her freaking thing. I'm not making I that up. I'm not making that up. Adam yeah, you down. thought I was fucking around. I give, for those of you at home, because my mouth dropped open and I gave Adam the what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> being being nice to and then he girl. was like, it's in her bio. And I was like, that's correct. It is in her bio. Yeah. Yes. All right. she, she's like one of the most real people on Instagram. Like, I really appreciate uh, her uh, Instagram feed and everything else. Also, yeah, I'm pretty real. Oh, yeah. Also, the It's a Mimic people are pretty real. Uh, some of us are. Back to Adam. Dan, you just, you suck a nut. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like he's talking about, like, nuts and legumes and stuff, Dan. He's actually suggesting that as a hobby, you actually like to suck on testicles. I'm not even suggesting. I'm I'm, I'm just straight up stating it. Openly in the public domain for everyone to to understand. Anyway, uh, I want to know. It's more than a hobby. You You get paid for what you do good at. (laughs) <laughs> That's <what> that <laughs> it's like you've got a mouthful of we just ruined just a little words. nerd just yeah. a little nerd that's your shout out that's what you get from us yeah you can yell at Danny at Oscar underscore the underscore orc with K's we have to explain every fucking time god damn it 
Anyway, um, <laughs> I just Dad is like love, my I love favorite you. person. I love you guys in the so world. Much. So uh, uh, let's get Dad. back to Bullywugs, um, because believe it or not, there's more to talk about. Uh, what themes? Tones, not just you, bully. Wugs. What <laughs> themes, tones, and tears are you focusing on for a Bullywug campaign? How do you use it in the campaign? Not just an encounter, a whole freaking campaign. Let's roll initiative, guys. What does mine say? I can't see. You're a four. Of the frog humor. I'm a four again. I'm an eight. Dan is a I'm a 16. four again. Yeah. You're a four again. Daniel? This is some bullshit. My, my, bullshit. my bully wug, I'm an immigrant. Uh, my uh, Bullywug campaign is... Honestly, man, like... I see Bullywugs, I think Zelda. Right? I, I, I think of the Zoras from Ocarina of Time. I like um, his sword. Zelda's a he? 90% <laughs> of the nerds out there are with me. The other 10% are you two assholes. Anyways. Apparently uh, there's only 20 nerds in the fucking world. <laughs> That's how the math broke down, you wiener. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, so I would be running Bullywugs. Not so much because they're fairly weak when it comes to uh, actually being a threat. I would run them as NPCs and allies. Who are... They're evil! So? Like, if you have devils in some campaigns tasking the, a good party to do things. You have demons in good campaigns yeah, tasking but, the... Uh, yeah, but I'm assuming that those are deceptive, you have, right? You have goblins who are innately evil, who are PCs and whatnot. Using the they're evil doesn't mean you can't use them. At least trying to... You might have a common use, interest, right? Use the party for a common interest to help them build their wealth. Their entire thing is to build their wealth. So give them a small tribe of Bullywugs who is being bullied by a what? bigger oh. tribe of Bullywugs and the part, and they're asking the party to help. They might just have that one Bullywug that actually put in the time to read the book of magic or what they got, uh, that they got as a gift from one of their lower rung Bullywugs. So they actually can speak a base amount of common. And they use that guy as the connection point to your party, and they are trying to get your party's help to take down this massive Bullywug tribe that has multiple frog humans with it and, like, is um, aligned with some hags that are creating these bander hobs to send out or, or whatnot. So I, I, would, I would try to use them, use the comedy, use them as NPCs that your party can... Um, support and build up and go and make them good why not make them zoras rather than uh hanging this weight over their head as evil so that's me all right um i was next so the way that i would do um a bullywug campaign is i would start it off really simple and easy where you've got you have your starting village and there are bullywugs out in the neighboring swampland and this is pretty standard stuff. Instead of goblins, you're fighting the bullywugs yep. here and there. And then mid-tier two, you find out that these bastards have got a banderhob that's just come out, murdered the mayor, and now you're going back after them, right? So they somehow got a banderhob involved. And when you go there, you realize that this is not just bullywugs. The royal, the, the bullywug royal, is a cult leader. And the croakers are chanting. And they are bringing a frog hemoth through a portal into the world and when you stop this from happening or kill the frog hemoth right and you would have some advantages on this because it's gonna come into this world um and be confused and they're not gonna really be able to control it right away when you stop this whole thing and realize that they're their messiah their chosen one the thing that they've brought in to give them all of the power has been stopped or killed or destroyed then 
they will be so freaking mad that they will chase you down en masse. So there are four tiers of this. There's within the two tier system, there's four levels. So you have your your like raiding party or early levels, then the bander hob drags everybody out to put an end to the bullywugs. Then you have the Froghemoth, and then you've got to run back to the town, and you've got a Night of the Living Dead scenario where there is a horde of a thousand Bullywugs trying to get in. Now, you're going to have your Chain Lightning stuff and your Storms and whatnot. You're going to be high tier two at this point. So you're going to have some decent spells, some decent weapons and whatnot. How good is it going to feel to just mow down 40 of these things every round? Mm-hmm. Right? When you throw 600 Bullywugs at, at the town gate, Right, and you can run a siege with these CR quarter creatures, and then you have to do the whole like multiple session build up. Where even if you know that they're on their way, you have to figure out how do you build a palisade against something that could jump twenty feet vertically. Yeah, right, and that's I mean I think it can only go ten feet vertically and twenty feet long. Yeah, but they can go ten feet vertically up the wall, hold on, and go another ten feet. Yeah, right. The fact that they that they're going to come in, their cavalry is going to be on large on giant toads. Right, there's they're gonna have a couple of bander hobs with them waiting through, and maybe even they've blown all the rest of their magical items, and they've pulled in three or four frogemas that are slowly coming in the distance. Right, and you have a siege now. This is only gonna last you till tier two, and this is a distraction from your overarching, mm-hmm. you know, level twenty um, campaign. But you can get a good solid six, eight, ten sessions of bullywugs. Thrown in there, and the players will never see it coming because they're expecting goblins or kobolds or orcs or gnolls or skeletons or zombies or one of these other mobs. They're not going to see this because they don't take the bullywug seriously. Right? Nobody takes it seriously, and even early on, you know, they're sitting there going, oh, "I need to get this this magical pearl and give it to my to my prince so that he likes me better." Right, and that's it. That's all that you've got going on here. Yeah, and then all of a sudden. No, wait a minute. They're a freaking cult, and they're putting out hits, and they've got an army, and holy shit, it's a siege, and you can just destroy these things en masse, and it'll feel really good yeah. to do that. But also, you... it's, a, it's a new style threat, you know, something which is never taken seriously on a larger scale. Mine was very similar, essentially very similar thing. I was thinking to, um, a large sort of scale warfare like that, but for races that we don't see very often, such as Bullywugs, I would maybe have... Bullywugs and lizard folk doing a territorial um, type of battle, trying, trying to yeah, work that's that cool. way. I like that. But also, I imagine them to be the creatures where they're not going to have their own machines and contraptions and siege weapons. They're going to use other creatures. The the frog hemoths are going to be their siege weapons when yeah. they're making this when they're making this attack. It's going to be it's going to be kind of like what the fuck was Jar Jar Binks? What even is he? Where they're doing their shit on Naboo and they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and they've I got the the big um, yeah. Like I just dinosaur looking guys. Kind of like yeah. that, you know. Uh, I really riding, don't want to know. Bollywood's riding giant crocodiles. I'm all over that. Send them into battle. Fuck, it's D&D. Do what you want. So they found a Hydra somewhere. He's all over it. Bring him to. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually like that. They've got a frog hemoth. Then you've got lizard men or giant crocodiles. It's, it's amphibians versus lizards. Yep. As a territorial battle, and you get stuck in the middle, and so you're seeing all of the the similar type, yeah, the similar type strategies that we see when people are using siege weapons and the elves and dwarves and humans are fighting, but with these interesting races that are approaching it a little bit differently. If one of your players comes to the table saying, "I want to make a lizard folk character," yeah, this is your in, right? Yeah, yeah. 
that's a fantastic way to, to. This is your end, yeah. Especially if he's if he has a party that's loyal that wants to stay with with that character, but that character has been called to action, yeah, and to bring returned um, to their village or whatever. To I, people. I really think we have to lean on the guerrilla warfare aspect. It's something that we've all kind definitely. of said about. Yeah, this. definitely. Yeah. It should be like fucking Vietnam in that swamp. Yeah, I I, I said Ewoks oh, yeah. earlier, but I but I really do mean that like yeah. these guys they're they're stealthy, they're hiding, and they're coming in en masse. When they've got a spear and they've got a throw range on it, they all need to have six spears, right? Or stashes of them up in the trees and yeah, shit, they're, right? Yeah, they're not academically book smart, but they know what they're doing. Also, you said you talked earlier about tree frogs, and that got me thinking about if they were poisoning their weapons, but not in a poison damage type of way, but in how is it going to affect you? It's going oh, to get you kind of, condition. You're going to get a little trippy. You know, things are going to oh, there's a hallucination trippy. factor? Well, I did that with Dan before when he had a D&D edible in the Wizard's Tower. And he got, you got advantage on everything. Intelligence, intelligence, wisdom, and uh, charisma. And disadvantage on all of the physical stats. I won't even play D&D without eating edibles. <laughs> oh my god, it's much more Trust engaging. me, we know. We're, we're planning engaging. an intervention. <laughs> Half an hour in, you're like, I'm not feeling anything. I'm going to eat the whole thing. And I look around and you guys just aren't there and the whole thing was a hallucination. So, so I'm sitting the, there in my the, underwear. Just you and this frog, Hemoth Mini. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's a dead frog. <laughs> the, thing I, the thing I would hazard against uh, doing is if you are going to use tree frogs, those are grungs. Grungs are your tree frogs. Mm. Bullywugs aren't so much. And right. like, Grungs have poison attacks. Grungs have uh, other things. They've got their entire other culture uh, to them. If you want well, tree frogs... In that instance, I see what you're saying. In that instance, what I just suggested that I would do... Uh, well, what you do is grungs. you get the grung, the bullywugs to work with the grungs. There's no reason why they can't. Yeah, the same way that you can get your lizard folk to work with the Yuan-Ti. Yeah, yeah, right? So oh. bring them in. Reptiles um, versus amphibians. Yeah. Yeah, like... So good. The thing, the thing with grungs is grungs are just... The halfling to a bullywugs human, right? Like they're just the smaller uh, versions with more or less. Yes, we'll cover them in a future episode. Yeah, but, for sure. But yeah. um, you know, I feel like when I when I sat down, I'm like, hey, it's gonna be a really quick episode. It's gonna be 25 minutes long. Yeah, fuck bullywugs. Right? Do you know what? Like, I'm all of this guerrilla warfare thing, and I also like the idea of the reptile side, but send the kobolds in as almost like the uh, bomb disposal, the bomb like disposal, the, <laughs> like the traps <laughs> for the bullywug traps, and like crawling forwards because they're not traps. Oh my god! You know you're getting close to the Frederick. Write this down. You're, you're getting. We close. fired Frederick. Oh, yeah, shit, it's just gone. back to David. Duffin. Duffin was just here the whole time. Yeah, he doesn't gone. leave. Like we tried firing him. He's just now leaving. He sleeps behind Dan's couch. He's an intern. We don't pay him. He can't pay rent. <laughs> so, but what what I would do for this is like have the kobolds like you're you're you know you're getting closer to the battle because you see like kobolds on like bamboo spiked walls and stuff that are just pasted yeah because they're the bomb disposal yeah team. yeah they, i love it absolutely love it they're countermining all of the uh <laughs> traps oh but then just the battles the uh the enemy forces are coming closer just the, the croaks and yeah. stuff coming over I, I i also love the idea of the the bullywug we didn't talk about where they live i think their layers are these these sinkholes in mud yeah. They are like dark, muck, dank, dank yeah. terrifying. And like in dirty water as well. So you and not, disappear not, in there, you never see Not tunnels necessarily, but but caves that go down. Yeah. Like um like, I'm thinking almost like uh, you know, you've seen crabs and stuff burrow their way down yeah. into into sand on the beach. I'm thinking frogs doing that too, right? Yeah. And and honestly, if if none of these campaign ideas work, go or or sound interesting, try the horror aspect. Terror, of it. fright. The 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 scary aspect. 
right? The the these things play very nicely into that idea of dread. They pull on this otherworldly aspect a little bit uh, because of their amphibious nature. Like a lot of good horror is wet and gross and and, and yeah, moist. And you got moist, to pay for those ones, right? Speaking so, of my favorite bands from the nineties, moist. Oh, fucking love them. Anyway, um, have you? Do you not know what we're talking about? No, I don't want to listen to them based on the, the word. Oh, you're oh, wrong. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, but uh, and uh, Vancouver based too, I believe. Oh, so um, one of the uh, one of the things it's David that, Usher, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but w- I guess kind of my last point that I would say is um, leaning into this idea of the frightful, scary. Don't use the word bullywug. Go with frogmen, right? Or the raids from the swamp people, yeah. or whatever it is. Because a simple reflavoring is all you need to make this scary. And yeah. and do the people that live in the village by the swamp really know their technical name? Either what are they calling them to their children and stuff? Well, they know? don't. They don't speak common. Everything speaks bullywug, right? So yeah. there's no there's no commonality there. You hear the croaking and the rivets from the distance. Yeah. And then they get louder and louder and louder. And when you wake up the next morning, your children are gone. Yeah. Right, robbed out of the cradles, and you've been your whole place has been ransacked. So. I, I don't know. I think this is... These guys, well, I started to say before, I didn't think there was a whole lot to them. There's actually a shit ton of flavor, and I desperately want Fifth Ed to provide four or five more kinds yeah, like give us more. with and orcs. Because they're not being taken seriously, and they should. We can do great things with them. And do you know what? I need to see a Cobalt um, bomb disposal team fight in Bollywogs. I feel like that's going to be one of your answers when we finally get around to Cobalt mobs. Yeah, 100%. Anyways, any before. final thoughts, guys, before we end this? Not from me, chaps. But All hey, right. I appreciate you both. Uh, I do too. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, Dan, we're trying to finish on a positive note. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I I love you too, Terry. Thank you, Adam. So, Dan, do you love me? I do. <laughs> After you, Adam. <laughs> anyway, so what we're doing here is ending the goddamn episode before I have to confess anything to Dan. It's going to get awkward. This has been another episode of It's a Mimic, um, where we covered all sorts of shit about the three different types of bullywugs. Again, if you're like, where do I find these other types? It's from The Ghosts of Saltmarsh, which is the newest book. Um, this is the summer of 2019, obviously. Um, there's also um, the Froghemus and the Banderhob. They were both in Mordenkainen's. Am I getting that right? No, they are both in Volos. I think they are both in Volos. That makes sense to me. So, um, anyway, there are some great options here. And don't be afraid to use the frogs and giant toads and everything as flavor and setting and environment we don't do enough things in swamps in dnd no it's all forests or jungles or coasts or plains let's let's get into the swamp lands yeah so um let's uh, go around the table and, and give our personal info dan where can we reach you at oscar the orc with all underscores and case Terry, how we doing? Uh, how we doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you All doing? All right. I'm, I'm fine, too. Thank you. Wait to the end of the episode to ask that. I am at SendNoobsDND. That is Instagram. Get me on Twitter as well, SendNoobsDND, but I'm not on there very often. Uh, and uh, you can get me at Rusty Styrofoam. Uh, you can also get any one of the three of us, depending on the given day, at It's a Mimic on Instagram or at It's a Mimic D&D on Twitter. Or you can email us at info at itsamimic.com and check out our website. Uh, thanks very much for listening and we will catch you next week. What are we doing next week, guys? We're back to Dungeon Mastery. Yeah! Yep. Speciality of mine. Merci, bonne nuit. Real quick, Ugh. they're both in bolos.
Oh, the both of Bolos? The both of Bolos. Thank you for clarifying that, yeah. Daniel. Yeah. All right, so uh, thanks very much, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Au revoir. Bye, Lewin. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Speaking of Canada. <laughs> Fuck off, Dan. Oh, Canada. Okay. So, so my big thing was that there's a croaker subcut or kind of yep. bullywug that sings across. That's where yep. I was going with the segue. And you just fucking. You're welcome. <laughs> God. Fuck. I do love you, though, Dan. I love you, too, Adam. Just don't touch me. Well, that's what my love is based upon.